the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Dave Ellswick Show, and I am Robert Steinbeck filling in for Dave this Monday morning. Welcome, everybody. We've got a lot to talk about. We always do. I want to start off talking about vaccines. You know, it's a topic nobody talks about these days, right? Vaccines. What are they? What are, what are, what are we talking about vaccines for? Vaccines. Of course, I'm mocking, right? Vaccines are the topic of the day, and there's a lot of controversy over vaccines. And I would like to divide up this controversy. I'm going to divide it between mandates, between government intervention and medicine. So mandates and medicine. And, uh, you know, as usual, I jump into the deep part of the pool first and then try to find the edge, which is not always the safest thing. Let me say that, of course, Heidi, as she always is, is monitoring the board and doing all the producing work. She's going to help us uh, help. And by help, I mean, really do the work on calling the commercials and this kind of thing. So um, and give us a little commentary as well. So uh, we welcome Heidi this morning, as we always do. Uh, Chris Corbett uh, is just back from Alaska last night. So he may or may not make it uh, on the show this morning, as he often is on the show when I'm hosting and not, in fact. So we're going to dive back into the topic I just mentioned to you, uh, mandates and medicine about Uh, vaccines. There really is a problem in society today. And that problem is the left. Boy, isn't that a broad statement? But the problem with the left is they don't understand the notion of democracy. The notion of democracy is that you battle out ideas. The majority wins. It doesn't have to be a majority rule system, but it's probably the one that makes the most sense. And then the majority prevails on policy. They get to implement their policy preferences. What's hidden in that description, however, is the protection of basic rights regardless of who wins. That's entirely what the Constitution is designed to do. It's designed to protect your basic rights irrespective of who got elected, irrespective of the party in power. And the left doesn't abide by that notion. The left says, well, we won. If they win, they do that less frequently now, thank goodness, than they've done in the past. And therefore, everything we want, we get. And we say, no, we have constitutional protections. And this is the problem with mandating vaccines. You are going to tell people they must do something to their own bodies. It's really 
quite remarkable. Of course, as you well know, it's the left with the mantra, my body, my choice. Now, when do they use that? They use that relative to the debate regarding abortion. But I ask you, why is it my body, my choice when it comes to abortion, and it's not my body, my choice when it comes to vaccines? They have an answer. And this is important because if you're going to evaluate the other side's arguments, you need to evaluate their actual arguments. They have an answer. You say, oh, no, no, no. Here's the difference. That one doesn't affect third parties. That is abortion. And this one, vaccines, does affect third parties. So let's break that down. Let's come back to the issue of third party on abortion. And I will, I assure you, but let's talk about whether or not vaccines affect third parties. Say, well, if you don't get the vaccine, you see, I'm going to catch the disease and, and my kid who's not vaccinated is going to catch the disease and, uh, and someone else is going to catch the disease. And I've heard conservatives, some conservatives, uh, improperly claiming, well, you got the vaccine, so that should be enough. Well, the truth is the vaccine is very, very effective, but not entirely effective. So their argument is good, but it needs a little more nuance, meaning I am vaccinated. You all know, and and I'll talk about that when we get to the medicine half of the discussion. But why does someone who's vaccinated seek to mandate someone who's not vaccinated get vaccinated? There is an answer. And the answer is because the vaccinated person in that scenario, meaning not me who's vaccinated and doesn't seek to mandate anything for anyone, but the vaccinated person that seeks to mandate that the unvaccinated get vaccinated is because the vaccinated person wants the fullest amount of freedom he can get at the expense of everybody else. Because the vaccinated person now can go anywhere he wants There's no restriction on where he can go. He can wear a mask or not wear a mask. For most places, some places he must wear a mask. Of course, by the way, those laws don't mandate that you actually wear an effective mask, right? You don't have to wear an N95 mask. Those are the only ones that do anything, folks. Paper masks are essentially useless. They are, as I've said before, virtue signaling origami of the leftist glitterati. So why does the vaccinated person want you to be vaccinated? Well, because if you are vaccinated, then the small, very small chance that the vaccinated person will contract COVID is reduced even more. Yeah, that's right. The same way, for example, if we had a law that said uh, you must get the flu shot, that would reduce my chance of catching the flu, even though I get the flu shot. Yeah, because if we reduce your chance of catching it, that obviously reduces your chance of giving it to me. And the flu shot is not that effective, 40 to 60 percent effective. So it's not that effective. It's better in terms of numbers than not having the flu shot in terms of reducing your chance of catching the flu. But there's a good chance you'll catch a flu even if you get the flu shot. That's not the case with the vaccine for COVID. There's a very good chance that you won't catch COVID and an extremely good chance that you won't die from COVID if you get the vaccine. That's not the case if you don't get the vaccine. But that's your choice. 
So let's talk about the medicine. Here's where I have to uh, push back on some of my conservative friends. They say, well, if, if the vaccine's so good, why are you worried about other people getting vac- uh, vaccinated, that type of thing? It must be that, that you're lying about the effectiveness of the vaccine. No, no, no. Let's dig in a little deeper. The vaccine is very good and it's not perfect. That's all. That's all. So the vaccine works. It is a vaccine. It's not a, uh, I forgot the term that some people are using. In other words, a treatment. It's a vaccine. Here's how vaccines work, by the way, folks, in general. The, the operation of this vaccine is slightly different, and I'll talk about that in a moment. Uh, we got about two minutes, uh, Heidi said, before we go to commercial. and So I'll try to dig in a little bit here. All a vaccine does is it stimulates your body's own immunity. So you might say, well, just let the body do it. Why do I need somebody to intervene if my body's literally doing that? And there's a very simple answer. People die of COVID. People die of all sorts of viral infections. Well, why is that? It's because the virus, which is this little piece of quasi-living entity, gets in your body and takes over your cells. And it does it very quickly. And it takes time for the body to realize it and then react. So when you catch a cold, you're better in about a week. Let we jokingly say you're better in about a week if you don't do any treatment and you're better in about seven days if you do treatment. I mean, it doesn't make a difference. So what happens? You get the virus in there. It starts taking over your cells. It damages the cells. And then the, the body says, wait, what? What's going on here? There's this foreign body in here. And it responds. And that's where you get all that mucus and phlegm and all that nonsense. That's your body responding. And it flushes out the virus. It kills the virus. What happens if... The body doesn't realize until the virus has spread so far throughout your body. Well, then you die, right? If any particular virus sort of takes over all of your cells, it's too late for your body to respond. So that's why we give immunizations for all sorts of things, right? Polio, diphtheria, tetanus, because if we trick the body, say, hey, here's some of the virus. It's not really the virus. It's like a broken piece of it. So it can't damage your cell, but it the body says, oh, wait, there's that foreign body. So the body builds up the response so that when the actual virus hits, well, boom, the body responds and you're fine. That's how vaccines work. And people say, well, why don't we do it for everything? Well, because you got to sort of create these little pieces. So normally you just sort of wait around and see what happens and you don't know what virus is going to develop. These are new living entities, sort of like a new species. That's how this vaccine works. Now, this vaccine works a little bit differently because it has your body sort of produce things. So think about the notion of a vaccine. Heidi's giving me a signal. We're going to go to break, and then I'm going to come back and talk a little bit more about that. This is the Dave Ellswick Show. I am Robert Steinbuck filling in for Dave, and we have been talking about mandates and medicine. I'm going to finish up a couple of thoughts on the medicine of vaccines. I told you how a vaccine works. It stimulates your body to react to the vaccine, excuse me, to the virus more quickly than it would react had you not gotten the vaccine. And the goal is, often quite effectively, by the way, the goal is that the body responds so quickly you don't even know that you were infected with the vaccine. That's how a vaccine works. So when you say, well, what are you worried about? You might... Um, uh, why do you want people wearing masks? I don't want, you know, I'm not looking to force anybody to do anything, by the way. But some people, mostly on the right, uh, sort of question the efficacy of vaccines because some people still catch 
the virus and get sick after having had the vaccine. And that's true, folks. The vaccine's not perfect. That's all it means. Not perfect. This is all medicine. Nothing in medicine is perfect. Nothing in medicine works 100% uh, of the time unless it's designed to kill you. That's the only one that works 100% of the time. Other than that, medicine is about percentages. The vaccine works. You don't want to take the vaccine? That's fine. I took the vaccine happily, in fact. I've taken all sorts of vaccines in my life. I get the flu shot regularly. So you should consider getting the vaccine if you are concerned about protecting yourself against COVID. If you're on the fence and you think, well, maybe it doesn't work or maybe it's dangerous, uh, it does work. There are risks with everything, including drinking a cup of coffee. The risk of catching COVID and getting very ill or dying are much, much greater than the risk associated with the vaccine. So if you're on the fence, the math works in your favor. If you're totally opposed to the vaccine, well, that's it. That's the end of the discussion, right? I'm not going to try. I have people who are atheists. I don't try to convince them to believe in God. I don't because they are committed if I could say, if I can use that term, atheists, all right, what am I going to do? But if you're on the fence, go get the vaccine. It's that simple. Now, the government is trying to mandate it, and it's really disgusting. That's the right word. It is disgusting that the government is trying to mandate. As the governor points out, you're just going to turn people off. You're actually going to achieve the outcome opposite to what you're desired. When the government starts telling you what to do, people correctly say, I'm not doing it. Why do I say correctly? Because in America, in the United States, we're about freedom. And when people start trying to take away your freedom because they're petty potentates, they're bureaucrats, they're hacks, we resist. Because we know one lack of freedom leads to the next lack of freedom. And then finally, in the last few minutes before we go to the bottom of the hour break, I want to talk about how the the left is entirely inconsistent. They say, my body, my choice when it comes to abortion, but it's not my body, my choice when it comes to vaccines. Well, vaccines are different, you see. Vaccines, uh, if you don't get the vaccine, I might get sick or my kid who hasn't been vaccinated might get sick. Well, guess what? We live in a society and the question becomes, on whom do you put the burden, right? We don't require people to get flu shots and 40 to 60,000 Americans die every year of the flu. If we required everybody to get flu shots, we would reduce, not eliminate, the number of people walking around with the flu and those who are immunocompromised, uh, some of them would be alive today. What do we do? We put the burden on those who are immunocompromised, A, to get the flu shot, and then B, maybe to wear a mask, and C, maybe not to go out that often. Yeah, that's how we do it. We put the burden on them to protect themselves, not the burden on the other person to protect the person they don't know. You're in charge of your own life, protecting it and otherwise. That's essentially what we do. So why is this different? It's, it's a more dangerous uh, pathogen than is the flu. But still, you have the most control over your own safety. Well, my kids got to go to school. They don't got to do anything, by the way. You worried about your kids? They can be homeschooled. There are all sorts of arrangements. I'm not saying it's easy. But why does some person who uh, works at the supermarket, say, have an obligation to get a flu shot to protect your kid or to get 
a COVID shot to protect your kid. I think he doesn't, particularly if he thinks, I don't like the idea of this shot. I don't like the idea of this vaccine. I think he's wrong. I think he should get the vaccine. But here's the thing about America. We're allowed to be wrong. It's about freedom of choice. And remember this. We say, well, uh, this is what the left says. The left says, well, we, no, no, we know what's right and wrong. And if we let the left prevail on this, what else are they going to prevail on? They know what's right and wrong. They say voting for Donald Trump, that's wrong. Voting for conservatives, that's wrong. They'll take away all of your choices. That's the problem with the mandate. And the left are hypocrites. The left say, well, well regarding abortion, you could, that's my body, my choice. Why is that my body, my choice? They say, well, it doesn't affect the third party. Um, isn't that kind of the whole debate about abortion? That it does affect the third party? That it affects the baby? Well, that's not really a baby. Okay, you know what? Hey, party of science. Last time I checked, the thing inside the mother, that's a baby. So they want to reject that science, but adopt other science. The conservative view, conservatives never never tell women or anybody, you can't have a um, surgery to remove a kidney. No, no, no. They don't care if you remove a kidney. They tell you you can't have a surgery to remove a baby. Not for your sake, but for the baby's sake. Now you get, well, I don't, the left says, I don't think it's alive or enough of a lie. Okay, well, that's your debate then. Your debate isn't about my body, my choice. Your debate is about life. That's what the debate is about. So the conservatives are the consistent ones on this point, and the liberals are the inconsistent ones. They want to tell you what to do with your body when it comes to vaccines, but they want to have their bodies control the life of another when it comes to abortion. But you see, here's the problem with leftist philosophy. There is none. There is none. Leftist philosophy is about what they can achieve today in terms of their personal policy preferences. That's it. How does it fit into a bigger scheme? It doesn't. There is no bigger scheme. It's about the exercise of power. They want to control you, not for mere control, to be fair. They want to control you because they have a preference and they want their preferences to prevail. And to have their preference, preferences prevail, they want you to do what they do. They like chocolate milk, you have to like chocolate milk. They like vaccines, you have to like vaccines. Doesn't matter. Hey, I want everybody to take the vaccine. That's my preference. But I'm not mandating it on anybody. So as we sort of sum up at the bottom of this hour, I want to give you my view. I want to encapsulate what I've talked about for the last half hour. I think the vaccine is good. I've taken the vaccine. If you're on the fence about taking the vaccine, go take it. If you, if you get the two-shot vaccine, go take one and see how you felt. If you felt fine, then three weeks later, get the second one. If you had some serious problems, don't get the second one. Or you can take the Johnson & Johnson, which is just a one-shot to begin with. Either way, if you're committed against the vaccine, I'm not here to tell you otherwise. No, I'm not going to. That's not my job. I'm not your mother. I'm not your father. Uh, I'm not your deity. As to the left, stay out of my body. I don't need a, a, a forced colonoscopy. 
I don't need a forced uh, um, uh, vac- vaccine. So, we're going to move on to a new topic uh, after the bottom of the hour. Uh, and in the meantime, here are some commercials for you. This is the Dave Ellswick Show, and I am Robert Steinbeck filling in for Dave this Monday morning. Welcome back, everyone. I said I was going to finish that conversation before the break, but as usual, I'm going to trail over just briefly to tell you, to remind you, to emphasize, if you're on the fence about getting the vaccine, then go get it. If you're not on the fence, either you've gotten it or you committed not to. But if you're on the fence, go get it, and I'll offer you this. I will give you free advice if you want to make a Freedom of Information Act request of a government entity, entity, because that's one of my areas of specialty, you can call me. My number is 501-ATTY, like attorney, A-T-T-Y-804. I'll say it one more time, 501-ATTY-804. You have questions about the Freedom of Information Act and how you make a Freedom of Information Act request, Give me a call and I will for free talk with you about it. And then go get the vaccine if you're on the fence. How's that? So we're going to move on. I'm going to tease uh, 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 our forthcoming guest, Senator Jason Rapert is coming on. Not tease him, tease the fact that he's coming on. He's coming on around uh, 645 uh, to talk with us. Now you might know that he is the chair of what I would argue is the most important committee in the Arkansas Senate. It's a state agencies committee. Now, that title doesn't sound state agencies. That's boring. Who cares about state agencies? Folks, it's state government. It's the state legislature. What's more important than oversight of what the state government actually does? So, yeah, I think it's the most important committee in the Senate. And he's running for lieutenant governor as well. He'll be on around 645. Before then, I want to talk to you about something very, very important. And I will try with Heidi's help to remind you all throughout the show about this. Today and tomorrow, the last you can vote in Little Rock. Vote? Vote for what? Did you even know there's an election? Tomorrow is election day, but today there's some early voting still persisting in only one location. I'll give that to you in a moment. The Little Rock cronies want to raise your taxes. The Little Rock cronies want to make you pay even more money out of your pocket to bloated government. I need every one of Dave's listeners to who live in Little Rock to vote today or tomorrow and to vote no on the tax hike. I'm going to say it again. Every one of Dave's listeners, did you know there's a vote? There's a vote today and tomorrow. You must get up and go vote no on the tax hike. And so let me just pull up the article here to give you a little bit more information here. Today is still early voting. So the only place you can vote today is at the Pulaski County Regional Building at 501 West Markham. Uh, And then tomorrow... There are a host of polling locations because it is considered an election, and so they have places all over. And there's an article in the Democrat Gazette that gives you polling locations. You can also look that up on the Secretary of State's website. 
I always have trouble with both of those. Uh, but find out where your polling location is if you're not going to the one that I know is open today, 501 West Markham Street, the Pulaski County Regional Building. So either go today and presumably, you know, I'm not sure if that's open tomorrow, but certainly you can go today to 501 West Markham Street, the, the Pulaski County Regional Building, to vote no on King Scott's proposed new taxes or go tomorrow to your appropriate polling location to vote no on the tax hike. We pay too much in taxes. They're going to tell you there's some noble purpose to whatever they want to use your money for. There may or may not be. They don't tell you about the fact that a whole bunch of bureaucracy gets paid in the process. So much less than 100 cents on the dollar goes to their proposed good deeds, shall we say. And the fact is, there are always good ideas. And guess what? When I have my own money, I, I use some of my own money for good deeds as well. So keep your hands out of, out of my pockets. Keep your vaccines out of my arm if I don't want it. I got the vaccine, I've told you. But don't force it upon me. Keep government as much as possible out of my life. That's the conservative philosophy. We need to be ever vigilant about the overgrowth of leftist government like kudzu taking us over. And so remember, folks, go today or tomorrow if you live in the city of Little Rock and vote no. Vote no on King Scott's proposed increase in taxes. I need you to do that for Dave. I need you to do that for me. And then Heidi, as usual, is giving me the wind-up signal because I go on and on. With that, let's take a break. This is the Dave Ellswick Show. I am Robert Steinbuck filling in for Dave. I'm going to speak very quickly because we have an introduction of a very important person on the phone. We have Senator Jason Rapert, who is the chair, the chair of the State Agencies Committee with us, and he's also running for Lieutenant Governor. Jason, welcome to the Dave Ellswick Show. How are you this morning? I'm doing great. How are you this morning, Robert? I'm very well, my uh, very well. Thank you, my friend. Um, we have you uh, till the top of the hour, and Heidi's going to cut us off, so I apologize in advance because I'm just not very good at this radio thing. So I'll try to thank you at the end, but I thank you in advance for joining us this morning on the show. Tell us what's important right now going on in Arkansas. What's at the top of your agenda, so to speak, regarding Arkansas? And as I said into the lead, I think you truly hold, uh, chair the most important committee that is state agencies because guess what it's state government that's where our money goes so talk to us that's about right. that go ahead sir well first of all thank you for having me on i appreciate that and uh i told you earlier forgive me i'm traveling down the road as you know i'm running for lieutenant governor so i'm going all over the state today but uh state agencies and what's important in arkansas robert we have a lot of issues coming up uh, let me just click off a few of them, and then we can go into anything that you would like to. Number one, uh, next week on the 20th, we will be holding the first of three scheduled state agencies committee meetings dealing with the congressional districts. We finally have the census numbers in. Uh, obviously, the Biden administration delayed that for several months, but we now have them in. Arkansas has a little over 3 million people in population now. And we will be redrawing all of the four congressional district seats. There's going to be a huge shift in population, obviously, uh, to northwest Arkansas. 
And so there's going to have to be some realignments that will affect, definitely affect all of them. But you're probably going to see some significant changes uh, in the first, in the second, in the third, as it relates to this shift in population. Or excuse me, the fourth. The third is in northwest Arkansas. Uh, other issues, the Biden mandates, the vaccine mandates from King Biden or dictator Biden, whatever you want to call him. A hundred million American citizens are affected by this uh, unprecedented um, executive order. And we're going to have to deal with that. Uh, we've been, I've been having complaints pour in from nurses, physicians, even the military now reaching out to us, military uh, members that are here in the state of Arkansas. And it's a huge issue, Robert. And, and that's just a couple of the things. We also have tax cuts on the table that the governor would like to pursue. We just have a lot of issues that are out there. We're going to be getting into all of those next week. That's wonderful, Jason. It really is. Because these are the issues that affect people's daily lives. That's what I think a lot of people fail to perceive is the direct impact on them from these types of decisions. Tax cuts, critical. I was just talking before the break about how King Scott is trying to raise taxes in Arkansas, in Little Rock, to be clear. And we need Dave's listeners to go out today and tomorrow to vote against that. Let's talk briefly, though, about the vaccine mandates. It's really such an incredible overreach. The federal government's supposed to be limited. It can only act when it has explicit authority. And it seeks to reach down well into state operations to dictate to everybody that they must either be vaccinated or get weekly testing. It's a, it's a slap in the face of every elected state official. Don't state officials have something to do? So I guess my question to you with my very, very long lead in is, how do you view this dichotomy of federal versus state? And needless to say, I suspect you feel that the Biden uh, overreach is overreaching on state authority. Joe Biden is behaving more like a dictator than any president in my lifetime, and I would venture to say any president in modern times. Uh, we've got a bad situation that is occurring here. The Democrats love power, and they love to divide and conquer different subsets of this, of this nation. They've done that time and again with identity politics. Robert, this is just par for the course. Uh, I said this morning early on, it's time for Biden to go. Uh, I don't believe that he's in his right mind, and I believe that his decisions are going to truthfully harm the country. Even Governor Asa Hutchinson yesterday, as you know, came out against very strongly uh, the president and these mandates. Now, Governor Hutchinson obviously is, is a very strong proponent of vaccines. And just like you and I have talked about, I think people should make the decision on their own what's best for their health and their families. But threatening to fire and to and to basically alienate and and if you will segregate people from society and say you're not going to be able to make a living if you don't take this shot that we demand you take, it's it's a stretch too far. Uh, federalism is under attack here, Robert. Uh, vaccination uh, mandates for school children that we've had over the years. And yes, we have had them as it relates to certain illnesses. You know, certain uh, in certain states, 
And definitely in our state, when I was a kid, I had to have certain vaccinations uh, before they would enroll you in school. And this is the same situation that we're wrangling with. Let states and local governments deal with these issues so they make decisions that they think are in the best interest of their children. And I'll just tell you, as you know, we've got a new program that airs right here on 101.1, The Answer, 1 o'clock to 2 o'clock every day uh, out here, Robert. And today and tomorrow, I've got one of the most reputable attorneys in the country that has dealt with harm against individuals. His name is Hunter Lundy. He is an attorney based in southern Louisiana, and he is going to be talking about, guess what, the vaccine mandates. One hour of it at 1 o'clock today and one hour tomorrow. People want to hear about this because I believe there's going to be a tremendous amount of litigation dealing with a violation of civil rights as it relates to vaccine mandates. I I couldn't agree with you more, Jason. Now, remind Dave's listeners the name of your show that's on at one o'clock. The name of the show is Save the Nation with Jason Rayford. And this is actually the show that we sponsored with the National Association of Christian Lawmakers. It's a daily program right on 101.1 FM. The answer comes on 1 o'clock every single day, Monday through Friday, between Charlie Kirk and Sean Hannity. We're going to be dealing with the vaccine mandates uh, that are on everybody's mind today and tomorrow. And uh, Hunter Lundy is a strong voice, and he's got some very, very stout things to say about this. And I want to say on an individual basis, I myself was hospitalized last year with COVID-19 before vaccines were available. And also, this was during the time when our federal government was also pushing down treatment. They were sending people home just to get sick. And so I know how serious this is. I'm very fortunate that I came out of the hospital. Many have not. My father is just getting over COVID-19. He was on a ventilator for 30 days. Wow. grandfather, I preached his funeral uh, last year in August. He was 92. He was in a nursing home. This is a serious, serious situation, and people need to pay attention and make good decisions. But what I think is awful is that our government has literally tried to squelch low-cost medication that many doctors are saying is working. That includes the hydroxychloroquine uh, protocols, the ivermectin protocols. And I'm just tired of some of the arrogance that's out there of people that have knocked those down because those are working. And these are human medications, by the way. And the other thing is the the vaccines, Robert. I, I will just tell you, I led eight teams to Ghana, West Africa, over a period of six years doing mission work there. God bless you. We did water well systems. We did malaria net distributions, trying to help people, all of those things. Guess what? Every single team I took in, including myself, we had to have a yellow fever vaccine. We took malaria meds every single day. By the way, guess what? Some of that was the hydroxychloroquine protocol. And then I had a hep A vaccine, a hep B vaccine. Literally, I had every vaccine that was available and approved for, uh, you know, tropical medicine clinic that just prescribed those. And that's because I knew the dangers of the place that I was going into. And this is what I say. Let people make decisions that are best for themselves. But the problem with the current situation is I have doctors and nurses telling me about people with severe side effects 
and some people have even died. You cannot force people to take a vaccine that has side effects without the counsel of their own doctors being involved in that sort of decision. You cannot do that because it's, it's, it's immoral, in my opinion. What if somebody is forced to take a vaccine that they pop a blood clot and it kills them? Mm-hmm. That is the wrong thing for government to be doing, and I don't want to be one of those with blood on my hands that sits by and forces people. And then the next thing is to come out as the president and issue this edict that you're going to be fired if you do not take this vaccine. I urge people to stand up. I urge people to say no to this overreach. If you give in to this, the Democrats know there is nothing that they cannot force you to do. We are in danger from a pandemic, but we are also in danger from an overreaching federal government at the hands of the Democrats who basically began enacting socialist and communist ideas to force and control and have an authoritarian grip on the people of this nation. That, that last point is so critical, Jason, because I remember hearing Jen Psaki, the spokesperson for President Biden, saying to a Fox News reporter, well, there's nothing more important than saving people from COVID. Wouldn't you agree, she says rhetorically. And of course, we've sent young men and women to fight wars throughout the history of this nation, putting their lives at risk, having many of them die, of course, because we put something ahead of mere life, as important as that is to let me emphasize that. What have we put ahead of that? Freedom. We go around the world quite literally telling everyone freedom is the most important moral idea, ideal that we can emphasize, and we will die for freedom. And yeah. yet Jen Psaki turns that notion on its head. That's, well, I'm going to tell go you, Jen Psaki and Biden are absolutely crazy. They're trying to sue the state of Texas, claiming it's in the federal interest, interest to keep killing babies. Mm-hmm. While you're on the other hand trying to force a vaccine, which, by the way, how ridiculous! People are still getting sick with the vaccine. Okay, so the so the the issue is why why are you going to force people to take a vaccine that we see more and more is not keeping people from getting sick? It's ridiculous, and then you're going to fire them over that. Look. Robert, I know we're you're about to leave, have to go to a break here, and I appreciate you for having me on. But I'm telling you, people need to wake up in this nation and stand up to the Democrat Party and Joe Biden. Jason, thank you so very much for joining the Dave Ellswick Show. God bless you. God bless the state of Arkansas and your committee that oversees all of its operations. We will hear, of course, more from Jason Rapert at the 1 o'clock hour on his show right here on 101.1 FM, The Answer.
Dave Ellswick Show, and I am Robert Steinbeck filling in for Dave this Monday morning. Dave is on vacation, well-deserved, of course. Folks, we are continuing to talk about the important topics of the day. I want to shift to one topic. I think we will come back to vaccine mandates before the show is over. I want to remind all of Dave's listeners, go out and vote either early today at the one location, 501 Markham Street. Vote no on King Scott's proposed tax increase if you live in the city of Little Rock. Vote tomorrow at any one of your polling, at your polling location. You'll need to find out what that is. Vote no on King Scott's proposed tax increase. We pay more than enough taxes already. Everybody's got a great idea how to spend your money. Here's a crazy idea. You decide how to spend your money. You decide what to do with your body. You decide everything that you can and you and you should have the greatest autonomy and authority over what you do in this life. That's what freedom truly is. I mean, that's the definition of freedom, but the left has no conception of freedom. They tell, well, but this is good. Good, okay, you say so. You also think Joe Biden is good. Joe Biden doesn't even have all of his faculties. By the way, even many, many of my Democratic uh, friends admit that they go well. Yeah, no, he's not all there. He say, they believe he was still better than the alternative. Okay, they're entitled to that belief, by the way. But even the left routinely admits that Joe Biden doesn't have all of his faculties. So I don't need someone without all of his faculties telling me what's right and what's wrong. Freedom, folks. That's what true conservative ideals are about. Freedom. So say no to the continued encroachment of government. Vote no today in early voting or tomorrow in general voting. If you live in the city of Little Rock, vote against King Scott's proposed tax hike. We pay enough in taxes. Frankly, we pay more than enough. We pay too much money in taxes. That's the truth. And they want to stick their hands in your pockets. They don't produce anything. These government bureau hacks don't produce anything. They get paid from your hard work. They stick their hands in your pocket, take a piece of that, and then say, oh, well, we're going to build a park or something like that. Yeah, they're building a park or whatever after they're paying themselves, after they're taking your money and buying fancy cars and clothes. That's what they're doing. Don't ever forget it. Folks, let's shift focus to another very important topic. Guns. Guns are important because they relate to this notion that we always talk about and that I just spoke about. That is freedom. Wait, guns? What do guns have to do with freedom? Yes, because the right to self-defense is inherent into your ability to be free. If you're being subjugated by an individual or, or a collective, then you can't be free. And the way you resist attacks is by being able to defend yourself. And if the attack on you 
is upon your body, upon your grave safety, upon your life, then you're entitled to use deadly force in response. Hence the right to protect yourself with a firearm. It's a last resort, but a last resort that might be necessary. I have a good friend of mine who's a federal law enforcement officer, and he said he had never had to fire his firearm uh, during his service, and he's about to retire. And I said, wow, that's amazing. He goes, yeah, it's pure luck, pure luck. Well, guess what? You're exposed most likely to less risk than he is, but the same notion applies. Will you ever have to defend yourself against a deadly attack? Who knows? Pure luck. But you don't want to be presented with that situation and not have the ability to defend yourself. So Chris Corbett, he's an attorney and engineer in Conway who's going to run for Jason Rapert's soon-to-be-open Senate seat because Jason is running for lieutenant governor, as you know, as he spoke about moments ago. So Chris Corbett, assuming the lines are drawn, we think they'll be drawn, but we don't know for sure, of course. Assuming they are, Chris Corbett will be running for state Senate. Chris Corbett has brought three lawsuits against government bureau hacks already who want to restrict your rights under the law as written today. In other words, these aren't lawsuits. Sometimes you've heard of lawsuits. Let's push the envelope. Let's change the law. No, 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 no. Each and every one of these three lawsuits seeks to enforce the law as it is written today. And here's the thing. Laws don't mean anything unless they are actually implemented. Rights don't mean anything unless you actually defend them. And who's representing Chris Corbett in each of these cases? Well, he's an attorney on the case, by the way, because as an attorney, he can be both the plaintiff and the attorney. But he's got some other attorney representing him as well. well. Yes, yours truly. Yours truly. What are these three cases? These three cases all involve Chris Corbett's statutory right to carry guns in certain locations. What do I mean by statutory right? I mean the legislature wrote a specific statute and the governor signed that statute, that act, to make it a law saying that people can carry guns in certain locations, i.e. Chris Corbett can carry a gun in the following locations, and yet each of these locations have simply said, tough, tough, we're not going to obey the law. Well, what do you do then? You don't take law into your own hands. That's the whole point. You go to court, and that's where we're at. We've got one lawsuit that seeks to allow Chris, as an officer of the court, to carry his gun in court because the statute says officers of the court are entitled to carry guns in court. That's what the law says today. And if the law says that today, then it should be enforced that way. Well, Chris went to court. You know what they told him in court? No, no guns allowed. He said, no, no, no. I understand generally no guns are allowed, but I'm an officer of the court. I'm a lawyer. That's what officer of the court encompasses amongst maybe a few other things. But certainly the core definition of officer of the court is a lawyer. He says, this law written by the state legislature, signed by the governor, says officers of the court may carry firearms in the court. Oh, we're not going to allow you to. Wait, what? We're not going to allow you to. Why? Because we have the guns. 
that's the problem with tyranny, folks. The people with the guns tell you what the law is, even though the law says something else. So we're in court. We're going we're gonna to fight that one out in court. Second one is, uh, with my assistance, in fact, uh, the legislature this past session wrote a law that makes clear what was somewhat ambiguous before, but makes 100% clear that if you have an enhanced carry license in Arkansas, not only are you entitled to carry in the Capitol, which you've been entitled to carry in for years with an enhanced carry license, with never an incident at all, ever. It says now, to be clear, you can equally do the same in City Hall. City Hall is no more supreme than the state capitol. But the leftists here in Little Rock said, you ain't carrying guns in City Hall. And we said, but there's a law. They said, we don't care. We don't, no, that law is no good. No, that law doesn't make any sense. They start arguing policy. We don't like why that law was enacted. Hey, guess what? Too late, baby. Too late. The state legislature enacted that law and the governor signed that law. You want to have that argument? You should have come before the state legislature. You don't get to deny the existence of a law simply because you don't like it. That's not how law works. So we're in Chip Welch's court here in Pulaski County on that one right now. We filed what's called a writ of mandamus. It's a Latin term, fancy term that simply says, hey, city government, go do what you're told. And the court, hey, court, can you please... Tell them they must allow people in with enhanced carry licenses, notwithstanding the face melting of those that work there. Tom Carpenter, the city attorney, said, well, I intend to put on evidence that my people at the city hall are afraid that people are going to come in with guns. You only put on evidence, essentially, when there's a dispute as to those facts. You know, one person says the light was green. The other person says the light was red. You have to have a trial to determine what happened. Hey, there's no dispute here. We agree. Tom, I agree. Your employees are hysterical about the notion that a good guy, a conservative with a gun might come into City Hall. I agree. No dispute necessary. We concede the point 100%. Here's the problem. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. The law is not superseded by the hysteria of the City Rock, City Rock, Little Rock City Hall employees. That's not how law works. So we're going to get those with enhanced carry licenses the right to carry in. We got one more gun case we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about it after the break. So stay tuned here on 101.1 FM, The Answer. This is the Dave Ellswick Show. I am Robert Steinbuck filling in for Dave this Monday morning. We have a caller who's just going to be with us for a couple of minutes because he's on his way to work uh, and he doesn't want to identify himself. So we'll take the caller, uh, get his views, and then let him go, and then I'll offer my commentary if there is any uh, after he leaves. Heidi, let's put that caller through. Caller, uh, welcome to the show. What do you have to tell us? Uh, good morning, sir. Um, I work for a state program that is volunteer in nature, and we have been told as state employees that in order for the volunteers to benefit from our program, they must be vaccinated for COVID-19. 
And it's it was my understanding when the law was passed and turned into an act that no state program for the state of Arkansas can mandate a vaccination in order to benefit from a state program. And we're being told that, that vaccines will be mandatory for those not those working for the program, but those that are going to be benefiting from the program itself. What does the, what does the program do? This is interesting news. Well, sir, if I were to tell you that, I would probably be identifying uh, the program itself. But what I will say is we work with at-risk youth. Got it. Got it. Well, this is really a serious concern. I know that you have to uh, go into work, so we're going to let you go. And let me offer some thoughts. Keep the radio on, of course. We want all of Dave's listeners listening to as much of the show as possible. Uh, so the caller poses an interesting question here uh, because there has been a law that was passed that said you cannot make government benefits and government services contingent on uh, vaccination status. So I don't know how this is happening here in the state of Arkansas. So this is really an issue that we need to find out about. And we need uh, those listening to the show to call into their representatives. And we'll need to do the same to find out if there are some state programs that are secretly trying to mandate a vaccinated status, notwithstanding that there is a law on the books much like I described previously in the context of guns written by the legislature signed by the governor that prohibits giving out benefits based on vaccination status. So this is really a point of concern. And this, by the way, is what we see happening all around us. We see this ever sort of growing encroachment of the bureaucracy and often irrationally. Right. So now in Little Rock and Pulaski County, we have mask mandates uh, left and right. Masks work if you wear a real mask. But I see a whole bunch of people wearing these paper masks. They do virtually nothing. I've heard claims to the contrary. Nonsense. Paper masks do virtually nothing. So you have a mask mandate, but you don't mandate what kind of mask people are providing. Moreover, you have a mask mandate and you don't provide the mask. You tell people they got to go out and buy the mask. I love this about mandates. It reminds me of what we have up in the Northeast where I grew up, which is <clears throat> the city tells each homeowner you got to uh, shovel the sidewalk. Wait a second. I've got to shovel your sidewalk? You took four feet of my property and put a sidewalk for people to walk on and now I've got to shovel it? You shovel it. You, you do a great job of shoveling something else as often as you can. You shovel the snow. And the same thing here. Government wants to impose upon you a mandate to wear a mask and then tells you to go out and buy the mask. You give me the mask if you want me to wear a mask. How's that? And give me a real mask. An N95 mask. I've told you about how I wanted to open the door in my classroom. It's not even a classroom. It's an auditorium. And they give me a hard time about that. Yet the CDC recommends opening doors in classrooms. Yes, K through 12, because you know the air is very, very different in higher education, I say sarcastically. So we don't see that, right? The CDC even recommends how you open windows in cars diagonally, they tell us. Uh, in England, it's opening windows is one of the core requirements for protection in addition to social distancing, 
in addition to masks. It's one of the core requirements. Guess what, folks? It's also common sense. Mother nature. Instead of all of these artificial restrictions, how about mother nature? There's a reason that air is curative, that fresh air is curative, because it's cleansing. Yes, a very simple notion. And you get a bunch of bureaucrats telling you otherwise. And now we hear from this caller the possibility that some government entity is mandating vaccines in the state of Arkansas, notwithstanding the law to the contrary. And they're trying to stay under the radar because that's what government bureaucrats do. They try to stay under the radar and they try to impose their personal policy preferences, notwithstanding the law to the contrary. And this folds right back into the point that I was saying before about guns. We have three laws that entitle people in different contexts to carry firearms in different locations. And yet, and yet, the bureaucrats that run these locations say we don't like that law, so we're not going to obey it. And the problem is the legislature and the governor enact laws, but if nobody's around to enforce those laws, those laws don't really exist effectively. And who's going to enforce those laws? Chris Corbett and me. Chris Corbett, attorney, engineer, and plaintiff in each one of these three gun lawsuits. And the last one, of all places, the gun range in Mayflower. The gun range in Mayflower says you can't carry a loaded firearm into the gun range building. Wait, you can't carry a loaded firearm into a gun range building? But it's even worse than that, folks. You, if you have a concealed carry license, an enhanced concealed carry license, no less, are entitled to carry your firearm in any state building. So let's see, is that a state building? Well, it belongs to Game and Fish, Which Game and Fish? Arkansas Game and Fish. Well, that's a state building then, isn't it? So with an enhanced carry license, you're entitled to carry your firearm into that building the same way you can carry it in the state capitol. And there's never been an incident in the state capitol. But Game and Fish says you can't. And in fact, the fellow at Game and Fish, they got him on the phone. It was a weekend. Chris tried to go in the building and they said, you can't. And so... He said, I'm entitled to. And they said, hold on, we're going to call our boss, which is fine. They get the phone, guy on the phone, and you know what the guy says? I'm not letting you in, and I'm not taking down my sign unless you get a court order. All right. Challenge offered, challenge accepted. That's right. So we're in court. We filed, I think, the next day. You want us to go to court? You have it. You got it. By the way, when we win, we want attorney's fees as well. And I charge a lot of money. I'm not saying the court will give me a lot of money, but I charge a lot of money. These are three separate laws enacted by the state legislature, signed by the governor, resisted by government bureaucrats at every level. Government bureaucrats who operate the security at the courthouses, the government bureaucrats at City Hall in Little Rock, and the government bureaucrats who operate the Game and Fish uh, house uh, in Mayflower. By the way, I go there often. They're very nice people. They're very nice people. But they got to follow the law just like everybody else. And they also are following what their bosses tell them. So let the court be the boss. With that, we're going to go to break right now. 
This is the Dave Ellswick Show. I am Robert Steinbeck filling in for Dave this Monday morning. Welcome back to the show. We've gone a little less than half hour left to the Dave Ellswick Show. I want to remind all of Dave's listeners, go today to 501 Markham Street uh, or tomorrow to any one of you, to, to your appropriate polling station. That is, if you live in the city of Little Rock, go and vote against King Scott's tax hike. I need you to do this. Dave needs you to do this. The people of Little Rock need you to to do this. Conservative values need you to do this. You need to go vote. There's a reason this election is taking place on an off year because they want to sneak it through. They don't. They realize that most people didn't even realize, and I didn't even realize till I read it read it in the newspaper there's an election going on but the election isn't for a person the election is to allow king scott to stick his hands in your pockets even deeper and take more of your money go today or tomorrow to vote no to vote no on king scott's proposed tax hike please do it folks i wanted to give you a little bit of um, um culture shall we call it Religion, uh, this Thursday is the Jewish holiday of Yom Kippur. That's the Day of Atonement. Uh, That means for me, I need to spend several days, of course. That's a little bit of a joke for you. Uh, Those who are observant fast on that day. So if you know someone who's Jewish and you want to offer them uh, the proper greeting, uh, you wish them an easy fast Right, because fasting is not easy. It's about a 25-hour fast. It starts Wednesday night, and it goes to Thursday evening. Uh, and so it's, it's not easy. So that's why you want to offer them an easy fast. That's the Jewish holiday of Yom Kippur coming up this Thursday, starting Wednesday night and ending Thursday. Uh, Jewish holidays start at sundown the day before and end at sunset the day of Let's come back and talk about some policy issues. Uh, We were talking about vaccines, of course, a lot today and with Jason Rapert as well. And Jason brought up the point that when he went traveling uh, on missionary work, God bless him. I mean that sincerely. It's really it's amazing what people like Jason do uh, to help those who are the poorest uh, throughout the world. Uh, These are people committed to Christian values, and God bless them. And of course, as you know, as I just described, I'm Jewish. Well, Jewish values and Christian values are come from a common source. So to say Christian values is not to distinguish it, but it's just to simply highlight that Jason uh, is a good, committed, honest Christian, and that's how I will describe his values. And if I describe my values, since I'm a good, committed uh, Jew, They're Jewish values. They're the same values, folks. They're the same values. Some people say Judeo-Christian. That's okay, too. But either way, you know, we don't need to jump on the bandwagon. Okay, look at me. Look at me. No. Each person is entitled to their own description and their own value set, even when they overlap. He talked about how he and his colleagues took a whole bunch of vaccines. That's right. Because he's not against vaccines. And here's the thing. They had a choice. They didn't have to go do what they were doing. And then he mentioned, of course, that children get vaccinated. Well, there's two things often before they go to public school. Well, there's a couple of things, maybe a few things we'll see to note about that. A, that's a state mandate, not a federal mandate. 
The feds are limited in what they can do. State have much broader power. But more importantly, that mandate is limited to those that go to public school. You don't have to go to public school. And, <clears throat> excuse me, there are certain ways in, in many states that you can opt out, in fact. So, the fact that we have some mandates, oh, and let me add, thirdly, it's a particular role of the state in ensuring the health, welfare, and safety of children, even when those children have, of course, parental oversight. Now, that obligation of the state is and should be limited, meaning we give a fair amount of authority to the parent, of course, but there is a role for the state. We don't allow parental abuse, right? Because the state has a limited role, not the federal government, but the state has a limited role when it comes to children's welfare. So none of these things apply when it comes to a federal mandate. A federal mandate has no authority. It has nothing to do with the health and welfare of children because that's the obligation of the state, not the federal government. And it's in areas that are not discretionary, like travel or even public school, although I will concede there is a distinction between the two. But that's the problem with the left. There's no nuance. Well, we have we have mandated vaccines in this one context. Well, I guess that means any vaccine can be mandated to anybody in any location at any time for any reason just because you say so, right? No. No. That's the point. There needs to be a limiting concept. Are you going to mandate vaccines for the flu? We don't do that now. So there must be a distinction. Well, you say the COVID's more dangerous. I get that. I get that. So that's one articulated distinction, but that doesn't get you over the hump of mandating it. And I got to give credit to the governor here. The governor has really hit on an important point. The governor, like I, has, has been vaccinated. The governor, like I, encouraged people to get vaccinated. Frankly, I think... That government, federal, and state could do more to encourage people. By the way, Tyson mandates, oh, you must be vaccinated. Hey, Tyson, why don't you give every employee $1,000 who gets vaccinated? I saw the, the, the fellow from Tyson testifying. It was vomit-worthy. When, whoa, our team decided. Yeah, in their smoke-filled room, I realize it's not smoke-filled anywhere, anymore. But a couple of overpaid uh Um, bureaucrats decided, our team decided. You want, why don't you let people decide, but why don't you encourage them? You know, how much does vaccine, uh, vaccine, how much does Tyson's pay their line workers at the chicken plants? I wonder, I guarantee it ain't a lot of money. Offer them a thousand dollars a person to get the vaccine. Here's an idea. Then you don't need to mandate anything. You know what level of compliance you'll get with that? Greater than with a mandate. And then let me get back to the point about the governor. The governor made exactly that point, which is when you start mandating things, you actually get more resistance. You get people pulling away. People say, oh, I'm thinking about it. Oh, now you're telling me I have to do it? I'm not doing it. I'm not going to do it. The the, the governor is 100% correct on that point. 
So Tyson's offer a thousand dollars. Hey, the state can offer money too. Offer up some money. And they were offering up like lottery tickets or something. All right, don't offer a lottery ticket. Offer cash. Offer actual cash. You'll get some more people to come take the vaccine. As I told you from the beginning, I've been vaccinated. I think the vaccine is good. I think for the overwhelming majority of people, it's good. Meaning, yes, there's a risk with anything. But you have to think about it this way. You have to balance that risk with the risk of catching COVID and getting very sick or dying. So it's not balance against nothing. It's balance against that. And for the overwhelming majority of people, you're safer getting the vaccine than you are not getting it and risking exposure to COVID. That's just what the numbers show. But to be clear, that's your choice. I can inform you of that. I can try to incentivize you if I were the state by offering you money. But after that, that's up to you folks. You know, I've got a good friend of mine who smokes. I said, you know, you really should quit smoking. I don't ride him because I'm not his mother. And you know what he says? I agree. But he hasn't quit smoking yet. You know why? Because that's his choice. It's not my choice. I can't and I won't prevent him from smoking. Don't smoke near me, please. I don't like the smell of it. But that's his choice, not my choice. And if he's smoking somewhere that's not inside my house, well, guess what? I walk away because he has the freedom outside you know, on public property or, you know, on the street, let's say, because I don't know what the rules are in parks, et cetera. I have no idea, frankly, one way or the other. Uh, if he's out in the street and he's smoking, I walk away because that's my choice. So if you don't like the fact that someone else is not vaccinated, walk away. I've got many friends who are not vaccinated and who haven't caught COVID, so they don't have any natural immunity either. And sometimes they call, hey, you want to grab some lunch? Hey, have you been vaccinated? Well, no, not yet. Okay, no problem. But we're not going to meet for lunch. Because lunch, you sit at a table and you talk to each other. So that's really, you're, you're for sure exchanging some breaths, essentially. I'm not interested in doing it. Yes, I've been vaccinated. Well, Rob, you've been vaccinated. I know, but it's not 100%. No one said it was 100%. So I choose not to do that. They're not offended. I'm not offended. That's my choice. I don't say, oh, yeah, let's go to lunch. And by the way, I'm going to secretly inject you when you show up. No, because this is what we talk about when we talk about rights. Ever since I started coming on Dave's show, I don't know, was it 10 or 15 years ago at a different location? And I would talk about rights. This is what we mean by rights. I have a right to walk away and you have a right not to be vaccinated. And I have a right to tell you that I think it's a good idea for you to get vaccinated. That's right. No pun intended. So, You know, there's a lot of things to think about, folks. If you're on the fence, I implore you to think about it. Think about getting that vaccine. If you're not on the fence, that means either you got the shot or you decided you ain't getting it. No worries. So be it. God bless you on on both sides. But if you're on the fence, please consider getting that vaccine. All right, folks, we're going to take our last break before the end of the show, and then we'll finish up the show. Thank you. Back to Heidi. This is a Dave Ellswick show and I am Robert Steinbeck filling in for Dave this Monday. We only have a few minutes left and I want to talk about one final topic. As you know, I teach at the law school. As you know, I'm a practicing lawyer and this a colleague of mine, good friend of mine, uh, Tom Sullivan has retired. God bless him. And he was one of the teachers of criminal law. 
So they said, Rob, we want you to teach criminal law. I said, well, you know, I've never taught criminal law. Well, we know. I'm going to have to learn a lot about criminal law. Well, we know. So implicit in that statement, of course, is, well, we think you're very good and you can learn and teach it. And actually, I have no doubt that I can learn and teach virtually any topic in the law. Not every, but a lot. There's some very specialized ones I think that one needs to have had practice in. But I I think you can teach criminal law without having had practice. Another topic I think you can teach um, uh, if you study it and, and, well, let's talk about another topic. Let me rephrase that. Constitutional law. Constitutional law I have had practice in and I have written on and researched in. And I had offered to teach constitutional law and they said no. So wait, 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 wait a second. I have more experience and knowledge and background in constitutional law than I have in criminal law. So you say no to constitutional law for me to teach, but you say yes to criminal law? Now, why would that be? Why would that be? Well, folks, here's one possible explanation. Constitutional law is the class taught across this country at law schools in which the left uses it to indoctrinate law students because constitutional law of all the the topics that we cover has the broadest scope and involves both uh, narrow issues of law and broad issues of judicial and political philosophy. In fact, I was the only one at the law school that said the notion of the mandate when it came to Obamacare was illegal that they couldn't use uh, the Commerce Clause to create a mandate. I also said they couldn't use the Taxation Clause and by one vote because um, Chief Justice Roberts said, well, it's kind of a tax. They were allowed to use the Taxation Clause. But the strongest claim made by the left was that it clearly falls in what's called the Commerce Clause of the Constitution, and that was rejected by the Supreme Court, and I was the only one that had that view. The only one. Why? Because I understand the philosophy of the Constitution and how the majority of justices interpret the Constitution, and yet I am not offered the opportunity to teach that to those students that one day might actually seek to apply that law. So you have leftists who had the opposite view teaching the Constitution. Now, I'm okay if leftists teach it. They do now. But how about having some conservatives teach it as well? And across this country, we see very few conservatives offered the opportunity to teach constitutional law. There are not that many conservatives, of course, hired by institutions of higher education, specifically law schools, in the first place. And then to have them teach constitutional law is an even more limited pool. So don't you think that the the party, the left, that claims a fidelity to diversity would want what's the most important diversity, diversity of thought? And diversity of thought means don't only have leftists teach constitutional law, have conservatives teach constitutional law. Something I have experience in, in practice. I've practiced in constitutional law. I have experience in in my articles that I write. I write on constitutional law. But the school has decided they're going to hire someone new. Someone new 
without experience to teach this critical course instead of someone in-house who has experience. Now, I struggle to come up with a valid explanation for that. Maybe you can help me. But I'm qualified, of course, to teach criminal law. I am qualified, by the way, to teach criminal law. But I'm equally, if not more, qualified to teach constitutional law. And criminal law is not the class used by the left to indoctrinate law students. Because criminal law has much less judicial philosophy involved in it. And constitutional philosophy and political philosophy, all different types of sort of higher abstractions uh, uh, when we teach those courses. Constitutional law deals much more with abstractions as well as concrete law than does, say, criminal law. So that's where you don't want the thinking from the conservatives, right? I guess. You tell me. I can't figure out what's going on here. So in any event, we talked about a lot today. Heidi's giving me the signal. I hear the music in my ear. So I'm going to let you folks ponder on these on these things. Dave's going to be off all this week and I think all next week. And I'm going to be filling in as I did today. I'm going to be filling in on Friday, next Monday, and next Friday as well, I believe. But I'll let you know more about that. You all have a great morning and a great day. God bless you. J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.